smoke gets in your eyes. Smoke gets in your eyes. Smoke gets in your And we're back on extended clip, the after hours feed. Uh, joined for the first time on a Patreon episode by a guest. Uh, you know him from last week, returning champion, Sean Glennis. What's up? Hey, it's um, it's nice to be here. It's uh, it's like first class compared yeah. to the, the main lineup. Hell yeah. I'm glad that you called us back another three days later for the, the Tuesday episode. Welcome to the Extended Clip VIP Lounge. <laughs> Uh, we're here today to talk about Three Times, the film by Ho Shao Shen from 2005. Sean, why, why did you bring this, of all the films in the world, uh, why, why did you bring this one to the podcast? Well, uh, I know you guys are trying to like counter-program the Brooks Brothers with some uh, <clears throat> non-American uh, cinema, and uh, this is just one of my favorites that um, I didn't think... Uh, all of you had seen and uh, that I just um, I don't know it, it's it's one of those movies that I've never gotten to talk about uh, with people which is just such a uh, I guess just a good way to to experience some of your favorite movies. Uh, Malcolm had you seen much Ho Shao Shen before this one I'd say I've seen Millennium Mambo twice and um Mambo. <laughs> Millennium Mambo. You put a little twang on that. <laughs> Millennium Mambo. Millennium Mambo. Uh, <laughs> that was the opposite of off mic, the affect we had just discussed <laughs> of making all of those ass sounds into ah. My English professor had yeah. a very like, Fraser-esque accent that we talked about off mic, but Malcolm just did the opposite, which I found very pleasant. Mm. Yeah, you know, I was going to list the movies I'd seen by him before, but that's pointless. I've seen The Assassin, too. But I've seen I've seen a few, and uh, I've I've always been a big fan, and I kind of wanted to. I've been trying to go semi chronologically, but I, having seen Mambo, um, I feel like this is that's a good uh, entryway for me to watching this. But JT, what about your experiences with him? <laughs> um, I've this is my third Ho Shao Shen. I watched Millennium Mom Millennium Mambo <laughs> um, earlier this week in preparation because I bought the DVD. A while ago, and uh, on Sean's recommendation, earlier this summer, watched The Assassin. And, uh, I mean, well, after three times, I tell you, I'm ready to watch three more movies by Ho Shao Shen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this one, one is... Oh, go ahead, Sean. Well, no, well, Eddie, what's your experience? Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, you know, this kind of bridged the gap for me because I had seen The Assassin. And then other than that, I had only seen his films from the 1980s. I'd seen like uh, Daughter of the Nile and uh, The Boys from Feng Kwai. I, that's, the, that's the one I've seen. I okay. like that one I, I wasn't sure if yeah. I said that place uh, correctly. But, you know, both of those are lovely films. And uh, especially uh, The Boys uh, is a really, really like kind of punishing film in some of its more dramatic moments but also just like showcases his knack for composition and tone uh that i think you know it seems to have progressed throughout his career now that i've seen this uh this is such kind of a singular thing that i've seen in terms of tone and atmosphere uh i i really loved this one what about you sean yeah it's kind of like a um, i guess kind of a keystone work in because it allows him because uh, it has these three segments so um you know it 
takes place in uh, 1966, 1911, and um, 2005. And, and each one is is about a third of the, the film's runtime. But um, each one resembles previous work. Like you guys me- mentioned uh, Millennium Mambo, which is uh, definitely the, the third uh, section. And uh, the 60s section um, is like his autobiographical work, um, which would be the time to live, time to die, and and um, dust in the wind, both good movies. But um, from that period, and then uh, the middle section, 1911, is uh, like very much resembles the milieu explored in Flowers of Shanghai in that time period. So um, it kind of gives you just like a good, a good in. Um, I guess if you had seen those before, it would just be, it would, it would also be rewarding in a different way, but it also gives you a good idea of what to expect as you go deeper back into the catalog. Uh, so the first of these three times as they were, uh, are, it takes place in a pool hall or a couple of pool halls, you know, and, uh, that opening scene with the song smoke gets in your eyes playing, uh, over the pool game is just one of the most like, beautifully like atmospheric and has so much like romantic tension in a scene where you know nothing about any of these people uh and it makes sense that that encounter kind of drives uh the narrative for the rest of that chapter that that kind of like mainly wordless uh like opening scene which is just like yeah i i don't know what it's hard to describe something like that (laughs) yeah i mean for me, it's such like a like the camera work too. Always seems so, um, like it, it hits like these uh, emotional through lines. Even like even like in the pool scene, right, where just like you see how he follows the pool balls was just so interesting, and how he just allows you to get familiar with an environment and explores all the visual uh, techniques or uh, that he he feel like he could express in this environment that kind of. Uh, matches the mood that he's going for is very impressive in all in all three segments but especially here yeah the, the pool halls are it, it's like um it, it's like a great like saloon in like an old western like where you just like you know like this you're you know this mood like right away and and it's just about the connection um and obviously it's helped by these like great pop songs that that he plays over but yeah there's something uh i, I mean it's there's something about his filmmaking that's hard to articulate because it's just so self-evident. Like it just proves itself in a way that you can't really describe. In terms of this film in specific, uh, it is kind of like using letters and uh, you know forms of communication over time to the point where it's almost like an epistolary uh, film. I've seen it you know, called that directly in some writing about it where it feels it's not directly that. It's more of like, the cinematic form being applied to the epistolary literary style with like, you know, so many, so much like worlds of like meaning and expression in the scenes themselves. Uh, while the characters writing and reading the messages kind of is just like pivoting the narrative from one unique atmosphere to the next. Uh, and I think kind of the exception to that, I guess would be the first act where it's more that as the time passes and the letters are sent back and forth, uh, it feels like the pool halls just become an otherworldly kind of dreamlike space, uh, which feels kind of separate from the other two acts. Now, Felipe Furtado uh, wrote a little blurb 
on this movie and it really gave me some insight especially the last sentence she said private worlds in the film gaze that gives them texture and our own participation in them i mean it is and something like that i mean like uh you know you talk about the texture that like he brings to his movies especially in the first segment but you see some of this in the third segment and i feel like the second uh segment really stands out of how kind of singular it is amongst those three but kind of like the um just the way he uses movement and glide, you know, the way his like camera will glide when, uh, you know, we have the the male protagonist, you know, either riding towards her, t- towards this woman he knows in the pool hall, seeing all the different towns, or just like uh, when he's on the boat and like uh, you know a song's playing and it just glides into the water. It's just these small moments that you know you could pack so much meaning in. Yeah. No, I definitely. I mean, I vibe with that sentiment a whole lot because it's like. In movies that are like one, like a short film sort of strung together, it's hard for me to get on board with that in general because it's like you need a consistency throughout. But with things that are so like narratives that are so simplistic on like a basic level, it requires, I don't know, a lot to make me not like find it uh, like bullshit and these really ring true and a lot of it is like that gestural stuff with like the camera floats to the right place at the right moment and we catch like this little glimpse of like real like human sexual tension where it's like they'll look at each other and like you'll like when they're first uh, sort of like feeling out like each other and you sort of see them look like back and forth and this happens I think sort of throughout like um, the three narratives just watching the two leads like look at each other it says like so much there and the way he knows to linger on what particular glances are meaningful um, I don't know it's just evident watching it yeah uh, and well you're talking about sort of like these short film these like omnibus films and uh which three times was uh, originally supposed to be like some like there are these early new taiwanese films like the sandwich man and in our time and uh how was trying to do that with other filmmakers and the funding just wasn't enough so he made it himself but um yeah obviously the through line is these two same actors and their their love or or whatever their feelings are per per uh segment but um and the communication like we talked about but yeah like in this one i feel like it's so this one is probably like the easiest i guess i'll be interested in, in your guys reaction but this one is sort of the easiest to like wash down and and grasp because it's just like uh there is that tension that that feels modern and uh uh key is just like her p- performance is so good like she can do so much just like looking like as soon as uh, Cheng Chen like enters the pool hall for the first time. You just can see on her face like that like something has shifted in the atmosphere, um, and they're just so good at developing that in this in this first section. Yeah, I mean, just as like a performance vehicle, you know, for Shu Qi and Cheng Chen, it's like uh, if you're interested in acting at all, <laughs> this is an easy movie to watch. You know, uh, so much is given in their gestures, and especially I guess as we move on to the second segment uh, i i did want to say that the way that the first one wraps up with them eating together and you know the the steam coming off of one of the dishes uh kind of obscuring their faces slightly uh is such a beautiful image as it goes you know into the portion that takes place in 1911 and uh this i feel like 
you know, maybe this part isn't quite as accessible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially to, uh, I, I'm not the first to make this point, but I know that after Moonlight, uh, Barry Jenkins was talking about Ho Shao Shen and uh, Wong Kar Wai both being, you know, influences on him when he was in film school. And I think Wong Kar Wai might be a, a bit easier to watch his films down. Uh, you know, the, the, there are some Ho Shao Shen films that I think are more accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think The Assassin, even if you have an interest in, just like what films look like uh, you, uh, you won't be bored by the assassin but yeah. uh, uh, I, uh, I I found this segment a little more difficult but it's also rewarding I feel like it would be a little more rewarding if I knew more about history frankly and the imperial uh, powers at play with the China and Japan stuff that you know uh, I'm the first to admit I don't have a great grasp on no yeah this the second segment is definitely i guess if i had to say least favorite least favorite just because i did kind of feel on the outside looking in a couple times and i mean it's it's hard not to right it is a you know it is a silent segment and it's uh you know kind of there's kind of um the way the camera works too is very different you still kind of have like this conversational glide that uh who shoshan will like uh implement where you, you just you have two characters talking to each other and rather than doing uh, single shot coverage you just go you know back and forth slowly which i do enjoy but i think yeah within the context of the movie and you saying this is kind of easy to watch i kind of like after the movie was done i definitely enjoyed a lot of moments just on like a pure emotional level but it did take me uh you know i had to think about it a little bit you know and uh but it does make a lot of sense where you have you know this very strong formal control you have these three segments with like a uh, distinct uh basically just romantic miscommunication and that's kind of like the theme of a lot of them and uh it just a lot it makes a lot of sense you know what i mean this this formal the formal ideas at work here yeah i mean for me this again like i i am a dumb guy very much so out of my water yeah and talking about like taiwanese history and like going there i mean like in exploring like the films of uh taiwan and and so forth makes me like very curious to understand the history and like dive deeper in that respect but i think like the overlap of like china and japan here i mean i in like i i looking up the film afterwards this segment like struck me the most is like ozu feeling just because mm-hmm. of the formal changes i mean we do see a little red tea kettle in here as well true. um it's not unwarranted i uh i mean i think I, in my research i was looking apparently there's a ho shao shen cafe lumiere that is like directly or more directly yeah. like gelling on that ozu vibes um but i like i mean from just getting that impression as a dumb man, it's like you can tell the intermingling of things and there's a lot going on here as well in this segment, even though it's like, I don't know, the one that I had to like sort of think about a lot more and have trouble grasping. Yeah, I mean, it's silent and with inner titles, but it's also completely, I guess the word would be anachronistic for like silent filmmaking technique, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of camera movements and editing techniques that maybe weren't uh, used in the silent era. Uh, but I think he's still just using it as a conceit and being as expressive as he can within uh, that kind of formal conceit of doing his version of a silent film, a 1911 film, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and apparently, like, that conceit came about, uh, that was sort of his way of 
riffing on a lack of funding because he didn't have the time or money to um, <clears throat> have these actors learn the proper dialect mm. of this time. And so um, he did this this intertitle thing, which is um, sort of also a callback, whether, you know, announced to him or not. But the Tony Lung's character in A City of Sadness, which is also awesome movie but um of his but he uh tony long is is a, a deaf character and um he uh has to write stuff out and uh it does some inner inner titles a couple times but um uh this used with just like this beautiful music that is almost incessant um i i i think um even besides the history stuff which just like watching uh house movies you kind of get a bit of a bit more of a grasp um if not you know still a very peripheral grasp but um just just rewatches this is my third time with this and um damn you finished the movie <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 the titular third time and uh uh this one i don't know like sometimes this has been my favorite one like i think that each segment gets more rigorous as, as it goes on and um this one has had like some of the more powerful payoffs for me and maybe because it is so formally like dense and um and i and i guess also we should talk just thematically like in this first one it's about these the lovers that are like trying really hard to to find each other and he's like going to the army and she's like just moving from uh, pool hall to pool hall to work and that's sort of what that social um that, that that is like the material world of the 60s for them like that he's he's in that position and she's in that position and in in the early um 20th century she is this brothel courtesan and she can't go and he's some sort of i don't know diplomatic writer or something like that a, a think piece writer it's it seems <laughs> yeah. like he, he's like a, he writes think pieces yeah yeah he writes First think pieces about being under colonialism and uh uh but he's like always traveling and like dealing with like very important stuff of the state and she's just like she has no choice and but uh there's two one or there's there's two crescendos that i kind of wanted to talk about that have revealed um one that one that i think is just like so powerful this time for me which was there's this like 10 year old girl that she meets and they're like checking out her body and obviously like grooming her to be or checking her out to be like you know a, a courtesan when she grows up and and just like we get to see Shu like watching from this room all alone and it's just like uh kind of uh, quietly devastating and um the other is just like her not her, her Cheng chen um not having a plan for her which i guess is you know part of that relationship of um in this time period of, of uh, you know concubines and whatnot and her just like not having an out is it's just like sort of the heartbreak of this segment and what's great about this segment is the the, the editing of it and like the the way that he moves the narrative along because just as you start to zone out you know you get a nice <laughs> cut to a motorcycle yeah. zooming down then contemporary uh highway leading up to taipei into the third segment and uh, just that, like, the power of uh, that scene transition is just, like, so deeply felt just in the scene of the motorcycle ride. You know, it's uh, it's so beautiful. Just, I don't know. It, it's something that, 
you know, I wouldn't say that his films are slow cinema, but what slow cinema will do to me where it's just like a change of scenery, a cut that's unexpected just makes me, you know, uh, go soy mode. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think, I think that's kind of, that's what's great about what's at work here. Kind of like the, the way he's contrast, he's doing a little, a classic school exercise, contrast and compare, you know, (laughs) (laughs) taking you back to school (laughs) on this week's extended clip. (laughs) And like, um, because, like, the contrasts are obvious, right? Because you don't even really need to dwell on the contrast of yeah. those eras. They're, they're just there in, like, environment. Like you said, material conditions, Sean. And, uh, yeah, that cut, to, that cut to the motorbike is, like, you know, I did enjoy the silent segment, but at the same time, I, I have a, I'm, a, I'm a mid-2000s fetishist. You know what I mean? And, that, like, I know some good shit's about to go down here. Yeah. <laughs> when you see that cell phone get pulled out, you know shit's about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> And also, you have a uh, you have a, a a tender lovemaking scene early on, which I think is important as like uh, uh, you know it's kind of releasing the tension that the first two acts built up, where it wasn't I guess period appropriate yeah uh, to show uh, yeah. you know a, a lovers embrace. But then like I think the the kind of erotic mood that he sets up is like pretty well maintained for this kind of thing where it's like a somewhat detached exercise about, you know, the passage of time and how, you know, so many cultural shifts happen that, you know, I don't, I'm not very aware of, but uh, that you still get this kind of raw human uh, factor in the third act really brings it kind of back to life after the detachment of the 1911 piece. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I have to get this out, but I, uh, you know, fellow God of the podcast, Armand White, I read his review of this and I was a little I was, bit angry. I, I was, was a little bit up. angry. I was a little oh, bit no, angry. Um, he said once is enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, what's great. But he also, um, cause I think the formal reveal of what you just said, kind of like the sex happening in like this third, um, you know, story his main criticism I feel that he hammers in a lot is that like the sixties were an erotically charged time themselves and that he's misinterpreting kind of the history of all that, which I don't know. Kind of a stupid point. He really, when, you know, if you like a movie and Armored White writes a negative review about it, like he does, he does trigger you. He does. He's like, he calls, (laughs) he's like, he's like, he called it hipster nonsense, which I think, think it's funny. Like there's like some point in time where there was like cultural clout to like watching Hosho Shan movies, but yeah, I you know what I I think I just have to read the Armand because it's a pretty brief capsule that I think is very funny, uh, despite being extremely wrong. But it's also like the conservative heel turn, yeah. You know, like he has to be kind of anti-sex. But anyway, but the, have... like the, just on that part, we can get into it more. But like the that first like release, it's it's like the first the very like physical first time we've seen that type of physical contact but it seems passionless to me like um which i guess is you know what he's going through here is is this like modern um alienation but like i don't know it doesn't seem as passionate as the this couple like holding hands in the 60s damn i guess i'm getting shown up and all i all i go for is the uh the sex i'm just uh, (laughs) i mean i'm just uh i'm just (laughs) eddie doesn't hold hands he doesn't love these these girls i'm just some Times square pervert (laughs) not to it probably helps that i know that character like coming into it like having seen it a couple times yeah 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 i mean not to 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 delay the armament 
But like, I definitely agree where it's like, I mean, you, Eddie, you're talking about this being the most like human or like least detached moment. It's just like, it's the least detached, but the most that I'm connecting to it are like some of the most detached moments. It's like when, uh, she's like, uh, just fucking ignoring her girlfriend and it's just yeah. like zone out mode. And it's just like the, like the most hollow relationship where you're already moving on dating. Like, mm-hmm. or I mean, she's cheating on her, but like that, like already moved on mode. It's like that, like I'm feeling it there where you just <laughs> don't. <laughs> no, I, I agree with what Sean said. I think both can be true. I, th- mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. it's more yeah. of like a romantic passion in the 60s scene where I think it's more of a, you know, carnal instinct being acted upon uh, in the third act, uh, which, you know, feels very raw and shocking in the context. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely does feel uh, a little passionless and very kind of alienated even within this very crowded city. Yeah, it's the modern malaise of having too much good sex. Of right? course. <laughs> That's what all art house movies are, just people having too much sex. Yeah, we should say that this is set in Taipei and the others, I guess, were uh, rural or I don't, I don't know where. The not the city, was, not the big city. Yeah, not the city. But, I'm uh, going Armand mode. <laughs> the overrated Ho Shao Shen lets art snobs think they're appreciating something rarefied when actually he rehashes B-movie stories but attenuates them to the point that some viewers, like tortured prisoners, begin to embrace his enervating in- <laughs> technique as revelation. In three times, Ho tells the same love story through different periods 1960s okay we, we don't need the summary but he says the gnomic dialogue makes us long for that old theatrical warhorse the four poster or the tripartite exposition of joe versus the volcano <laughs> how does an- artsy antics become cynical and dishonest in the third segment proposing a bisexual triangle as the essence of modern angst Damn. He ignores that humans love the same through all ages, and that sexual candor is not a 2005 freedom. 60s and teen cinema were also, for their time, sexually explicit. This is hipster pandering. Once is enough. <laughs> Honestly, I love the film, but go off. I mean, like, he. <laughs> there are some points he's raising there that are apt. Yeah, like he's not, at least that's, I mean, not to suck his dick, but it's like at least he'll respond to the movie. That's the most infuriating things yeah, yeah, about yeah. film critics is that they they don't do that. So <laughs> I'm interested in um, talking about, like, I guess, hipster um, as he brings it up, but I'm interested in your guys' uh, response to the, to the shoe character here because it's so funny, like, from 2020 like this throwback to a very specific like e-girl like yeah this guy. yeah and and, and, and it, like it's funny watching it you're just like um you know it's this weird nostalgia and you're like oh god she's got the tattoo on her neck and all this stuff and then she's like um a performer and all this stuff and then you find out that like her girlfriend committed suicide and <laughs> you're like oh okay yeah, it like, becomes a lot sucks. more tragic and yeah. gets a lot deeper into her character beyond the oh, this is like a fun e girl. Like, uh, like yeah, she does like, kind of propose in the beginning. Her, yeah, 
uh, that performance scene in the club is just, oh my God, beautiful. There, there are so many great scenes in this last segment, you know, when she's holding that, I don't, I don't think it's a black light, but that little handheld light up to all those oh. photos on the wall. Uh, just like the way that he frames that scene and like with every small camera movement and movement of her body, uh, it, you know, shifts the composition ever so slightly into just a different perfect composition. The way you she know. smokes a cigarette. Oh, so like, great. Uh, <laughs> oh god every moment of that like 10 minutes is just like brilliant and there's so much tension even though it's like so disaffected kind of in the shift from letters to you know emails and website messages and texts and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, there's even like a discrepancy between you know you'll text me back but you won't answer your phone yeah classic. Like, uh, very classic argument there you know <laughs> but music music still you know that's it's still the connected you know compare and contrast what did i say back to school uh, i mean uh, the way the, the it ends kind of with the garage band song is yeah, is oh, amazing and, and oh. like her writing so, about how much she hates her girlfriend who's about to kill herself <laughs> yeah i i think and you talking about like the the specific technology like there is like he's so tuned in and like fastidious about how electronic communication like worked at this period of time like and and not afraid to like shoot you know this close-up of of uh ugly technology at the time at least that wasn't in vogue uh visually but but then there's like also this working of it where yeah like somebody it's believable that somebody would leave their phone or um like at home or like you have to go to this internet cafe or this this room of computers to like get into to email so it's this weird time where like um our expectations are like instant or theirs are they're they're like communication um uh what's the word like reflexes and and expectations are just like instant but there's still like this gap in access and that doesn't exactly reconcile um i guess that that interpersonal behavior yet and it just causes a lot of frustration and, and disconnection i mean yeah it's like it's throughout time like none of none of these people could um really say how they feel of course the girlfriend to uh shuki like she like she's she's pretty expressive but like throughout that's like the the similarity right like the 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 letters right you know he's he's like i think he throws in like i think you look nice but he's like you know this song makes me think of you or whatever or like uh you know in the middle segment where she's brushing uh Cheng Chen's hair and like that's kind of like an erotic expression none of these people could truly act on how they truly feel dude that that second segment my favorite scene by far is the process of becoming the ponytail man like, yeah that, <laughs> that scene of her braiding his hair is like one of the most I it, definitely my yeah. favorite part of that segment one of my favorites uh in the entire film uh just uh just beautiful it's interesting that I don't know. It seems like you guys might have had a different experience, but the first time I watched this, and part of the second time, um, with the third segment, I I found really hard to grasp the first time, where I kind of was expecting something and didn't get it, and then the second time, you know, I, I just enjoyed the textures, and this time it, it seemed to I, I seemed to to get the internal logic a bit more, but it seemed like um, I don't know. Uh, it sounded like you guys might have taken to that third segment. Um, a bit easier than I did. Is there something you can identify as like why you think it held out the the first time you watched it? I don't know. I think it might have just been how um, 
because like I said, I, I do think it gets more rigorous as it goes on as far as like plot points and the lack of them in the third one is, I mean, they are like, it's a huge plot point, but it happens off screen and she's just like looking and the camera doesn't even uh, barely acknowledge it. She barely does because she's so numb. And I think that that numbness imbues that whole section where, you know, there's cool stuff about it. Like I said, the textures and the performance uh piece and like the, the the light bulb in the hallway like all that stuff is really cool but just her numbness i, I don't know it just kind of threw me out. and maybe the same with millennium mambo like the second time i watched that was just sort of a revelation first time it was just like great fun but mm-hmm. um couldn't really get that that internal logic all the time we're all we're very disaffected people yeah, you know exactly. very unhappy and disaffected <laughs> and can't really you know we no, like I, the beginnings not the ends you i know. felt a little like i was uh a, a little bit like not fully with it for some parts of the third segment but i don't know just by the end it's like yeah i get it i you know i i get mm-hmm. ignoring your phone and waiting for it to cut to black you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think I, I i enjoyed it texturally too like you and just like I think I said I'm a mid 2000s fetishist. You have the digital cameras, the cell phones, the yeah. the chat rooms, like, and how he like dis, you know displays that stuff. I was very interested. Her 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 bio <laughs> is so epic. <laughs> I do love <laughs> a good bio. Dramatic thing. Yeah. <laughs> and like the way like they would like type and read text on the computer felt like like the movements, the way he would you know move the camera to react to that felt true to real life in a sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely agree with you on the 2000s, like, fetish, fetishization that, like, that's definitely something I connected with. But, I mean, I mean, it's the obvious surface level thing of, like, oh, they're more, like, we're so connected now through global technology, but at the same time, we're even more disconnected than in the 60s yeah. and 1911. It's that... I don't know that that vibes with me pretty yeah. hard. Yeah, no, I get I get that too. Yeah, can you imagine like like having to go from like town to town to house to house, like get an address, get another address, <laughs> and like just hope that you get to see somebody for like ten hours? Yeah, to maybe not even get pussy. Yeah, <laughs> and I think on he that gets note, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up our discussion on three times. Uh, what a great film, uh, Sean! Thank you so much for bringing this to us. And uh, for for coming on the pod, we we've been waiting a long time to have you on, so it was glad we were glad to do it. Appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Great. Well, that's the episode. That's uh, all. Uh, bye, Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Yes.